Hello, and welcome to our new podcast series that focuses on key jet fuel trade routes across the globe. In this mini-series, we'll be discussing three key global jet trade routes, Middle East to Europe, Asia to the U.S. West Coast and Latin America, and finally, U.S. Gulf Coast to Latin America. Today, we're going to be discussing jet trade flows from Asia. This podcast episode is brought to you by Argus Media, which is a leading independent provider of energy and commodity information. My name is Louise Burke, and I'm the Vice President of Aviation here at Argus. And with me today is Vivian Gu, who sits on our Asia freight desk, and Craig Ross, who is our U.S. jet reporter for the West Coast. Welcome, Vivian and Craig. Hi, Louise. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Louise, to have me to join this podcast. I'm excited to hear both your perspectives on um, the Asia jet trade flows to the U.S. West Coast and South America. So we know that the product flows that we'll be talking about clearly impact our key jet fuel benchmark prices. The key prices most affected for this discussion will be the Argus Singapore jet carol price that I know you're familiar with, Vivian and Craig, and our U.S. West Coast jet prices. So let's start off with getting a good handle on Asia. So I'm going to turn to Vivian. So Vivian, who are the largest jet fuel exporters in your region? Can you give us some perspective on that? Okay, actually, in Asia Pacific, based on the last 12 months of data from Vortexa, South Korea, actually, they it is the number one. The total jet fuel volume exported via shipments from South Korea accounted for 46% in the region and almost 50% of exported jet fuel from South Korea was shipped to the United States West Coast. On this trading route, 85% of shipments went on MR tanker, which would normally be around 300,000 barrels to 315,000 barrels jet fuel. The monthly export volume from South Korea Heading to the U.S. West Coast increased in March, but for in April, when the tanker freight rates soared globally as the demand for floating storage picked up. When the freight was relatively high, the export volumes on the long-haul trading routes decreased, whereas in the short-haul trips, the activity increased. In March this year, when the average lump sum freight in South Korea, U.S. West Coast was around 1.54 million US dollar. The top three destinations were United States, Netherlands, and Spain. US imported about 527.5 thousand metric tons of jet fuel. When it's come to April, where the average lump sum freight increased 22% to 1.88 million US dollars per shipment, the volume imported by US decreased to 225.4 thousand metric tons, almost 50% down. And Singapore emerged as the second biggest import country by taking 12.4% jet fuel export from South Korea, where freight rate dropped to average 712,000 US dollars per shipment in July. The arbitrage opportunity from South Korea to the US West Coast were also favorable, and the import volumes by US rose to 604.4 thousand metric tons. And that's really interesting. So clearly, South Korea and the US is a major shipping lane. 
What about within Asia? Um, how do other jet trade flows occur? What's the normal um, product flow? And can you give us a perspective on what COVID-19 has uh, done to demand and trade flows in the region? Okay, actually, besides South Korea, the second largest exports in Asia was China, shipping out up to 23.1% of the total regional jet fuel trade. 90% of jet fuel from China flow to Vietnam. Vietnam is a jet fuel importer and has pursued more jet fuel in preparation for the 145,000 barrels per day Dongquan refineries shutdown. But recently, a second wave of coronavirus infections in the tourist area of Danan at the end of July dampened the jet fuel demand and has led to a rise in jet fuel inventories. Besides, Singapore serves principally as a trading center as it both imports and exports jet fuel. Singapore's exporters accounted for 13.3% of jet fuel shipments in Asia Pacific, with the majority of the materials going to Australia taking 30.9% of Singapore's total export volumes. But because of COVID-19, the domestic demand of oil products from Australia was hit hard. The potential closure of at least two of Australia's four refineries has prompted the country's government to propose an unprecedented subsidy program for the sector. Viva said it was considering closing its 128,000 barrels per day Geelong refinery near Melbourne because of the challenging long-term outlook. And a fellow Australian firm Ampo was reviewing the future of its 109,000 barrels per day Lytton refinery in Brisbane. Else in Asia Pacific, Shell said it will permanently close its 110,000 barrels per day Tambago refineries in the Philippines while refinery MZ is considering converting New Zealand's sole refinery, the 130,000 barrels per day Mersing Point plants to an import terminal. The closure will leave these countries increasingly relied on product supplies from regional export powerhouses such as Singapore, South Korea, and increasingly China, where a restless rise in the refinery capacity and the slow, slowing domestic demand growth is leading a surge in export that is pressuring refinery margins across the region. Thank you for that, Vivian. It's, it's the, um, the market, as you've described in Asia, I think is similar to what we're seeing um, on the U.S. West Coast um, and uh, great insights on those refinery closures that, that you mentioned um, in Australia, and as we continue to see trade flows more and more important as uh, centers will either retrofit refineries to something like renewable fuels or close them completely. So let's turn um, to some of those destination markets that, that you mentioned, and I'm going to ask Craig uh, specifically about the U.S. West Coast. Uh, we know that the U.S. West Coast can be short jet fuel. Um, can you elaborate on this? Uh, Vivian talked about COVID-19, but in a traditional environment, is it more related to seasonal patterns? Is it related to refinery turnarounds? Um, what, what's, what's your general perspective on that? Um, so the West Coast, yeah, it's typically short jet position. And the reason for that is 
California has very stringent emission standards. And as a result, the unique blend of gasoline that's made on the West Coast is, is unique to that area. And so the refineries on the West Coast will typically run at either max gas or max diesel mode, depending on the season and depending on, you know, summer obviously being a higher, higher demand in gasoline. As a result, the West Coast has typically always relied on East Asian imports in order to meet the difference for both domestic demand of jet fuel, as well as taking advantage of some of the exports down to Latin America and Mexico. Um, so it's less to do with the refinery turnaround and seasonality and more just a general short position as the refineries maximize the capacity on road fuels uh, as opposed to jet fuel. Yeah, that's, an, that's a great point. And in fact, most recently, we've heard of even more refinery closures um, happening in California. So that's correct. We've seen, you know, Marathon idling their Martinez refinery since April of this year. Um, and that certainly lent to a lot of increased liquidity and volatility in the Bay markets. Um, but from what we're generally seeing, most of those Bay trades are done versus Los Angeles as opposed to outright markets themselves. Okay, great. What about other areas? We know, for example, with COVID-19 and jet fuel demand, that traditional passenger traffic has dropped dramatically, but we've also heard that cargo uh, has increased. And we know Anchorage is, in fact, a major jet fuel hub for the cargo flights. Um, do you see regular product movements there? Has that increased? Lately, that has increased dramatically. Um, just the imports into Alaska um, for, I'm just looking at work text now, um, imports into Alaska have increased to the highest on record for the month of August. Um, August totals were around uh, 56 to 57,000 barrels per day, according to Vortexa, um, just for August themselves, which is the highest since they've, uh, it's the highest in their history um, to date. Um, and we certainly saw a lot prior to that, we saw a lot of movement coming from East Asia into Hawaii hubs. Um, I believe at the time it was more just what was available in terms of storage, because on the West Coast, you know, we don't see a lot of product getting exported from Los Angeles. The vast majority of jet exports seem to occur the Bay Area or further north out of Cherry Point. Um, but Los Angeles was typically the most uh, popular destination in terms of volume. But yet, like you were saying, just this last month in August, the Alaska volumes um, from East Asia really soared up to the highest that we've seen on record. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to continue. We, we continue to see everybody uh, moving to e-commerce. Um, and when you see some of the um, market information that's put out by the cargo carriers um, and even passenger airlines that are retrofitting airlines um, to mm -hmm. move on, on the cargo side. And just one final point. We know that um, the West Coast of South America does receive um, Asia a product. Um, obviously, with COVID-19, it's probably lower. But is that a, also a traditional um, trade flow or arbitrage flow from Asia to South America destinations? Yeah, we're certainly seeing a lot more direct imports, um, direct from China into Mexico and South America, which is obviously taking away from some of the exports coming out of the West Coast. But that, flow, that route seems to be increasing. Um, that route from East Asia to Mexico and Latin America does seem to be increasing in the last few months. 
Thanks, Vivian and Craig. It's been great talking to you both. Um, I've learned a lot both on the impact of COVID-19 and the lockdowns it created and therefore impact on the refining segment. Uh, Vivian, you talked about that. Uh, impact on jet trade flows, um, Craig, you were mentioning, and also how it's affected the economics of jet arbitrage. So great talking to you both. Um, and if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please be sure to tune in for the other episodes in this mini-series. And for more information on Argus jet fuel coverage, please visit www.argusmedia.com forward slash jet dash fuel. Thank you.